Good morning, everyone. Happy Epiphany. Friends, our first reading uh, from the book of Isaiah, the prophet is speaking to a people. They have just been in exile under the, under the control of the Babylonians, and now they have returned to their um, hometown, if you will, and it is destroyed. And the prophet is speaking words of hope and cheer to them. He's trying to raise their spirits, and he speaks to them about the light of God and our understanding through this New Testament, looking into that, uh, that light that he's talking about is a blessing to come. So obviously the blessing wasn't, yeah, they were free, but uh, they found their, their town destroyed. So you can see where they're trying to figure out what is this blessing he's talking about. It is a blessing that is to come. That is what the light of God, that's how they would have understood it. And our feast of the Epiphany, our celebration, uh, is captured in the second reading. What is the Epiphany? Look at the second reading, and it tells you what the celebration is. Uh, the theological pinnings, the meanings of this feast called the Epiphany, uh, is where God invites the Jews and Gentiles, all peoples, to share in the salvation that he offers through his Son, Jesus Christ. And my friends, um, I had a phone call from a family member um, last, last night. I revealed who it was, and I was warned not to reveal anymore who the person But they were asking, what's up with this Christmas thing? Why, are, why do we celebrate it on the 25th? And I was watching the news, and they're celebrating, meaning she was referring to the Russians and the Ukrainians, the Orthodox. Why are they celebrating it on January 7th? And I said, well, it has to do with calendars. I said, we follow the Gregorian calendar, and they follow the Julian calendar. <laughs> and my family member said, English, please. <laughs> I said, that is English, and that's as close as I'm going to come. And uh, I didn't even want to throw in the fact that sometimes some people thought it was his birth was September. Some people thought it was uh, later. Some people thought it was in the spring. We kind of knocked out the spring um, and it causes arguments, and there should be no arguments about this. And by the way, you bring this up, because this account of the epiphany, as we know it, it only appears in Matthew's gospel. It doesn't appear in Luke or in Mark or in John, and there's no reason to fight about that. Only Matthew, and Matthew has a reason why he brings it up. Uh, and they argue, well, was it three? Was it magis? Was it kings or it wise men? Ugh. The Old Testament and, Mal and Micah, the Psalms, Numbers, they all make references. Isaiah is making a reference, and it's different. I don't know if it was three kings. I don't know if it was three magi. Um, where did they come from? I, likely they came from uh, Arabia. They came from Egypt. Uh, they came from Persia. Uh, maybe they came from ancient Syria, where the deacon is from. But... We miss the point if we try and do this. My friends, the Bible, we refer to the book, it's not a book. It is 73 books. And this becomes important because if we, you were, we as Christians are never, we were never meant to read the Bible, the 73 books, as a history book. That's not the point of the Bible. The 73 books that are contained to it, if you try and read it like a history book, 
it's going to take you to a place that you will find irreconcilable. Uh, you'll find, well, there's tensions, and then there's seems to be discrepancies. Well, yeah, because there's 73 books, and they're not a history book, although some of them contain, of the 73, there is a royal history account. And there's wisdom books, and there's the books of the laws, Deuteronomy, and, and there's the prophetic books, and there's poetry, Song of Songs, um, there's, and there's, more importantly, letters to communities of faith. So the Bible and the books that are contained in it, the 73, it's better to look at it, these are the story or stories of God's relationship to the people he calls to himself. If we get in a fight and there was a huge fight about the Magi story, whether it was even true and if there was three, and people, well, how do you know that there's three? Well, there was three gifts. Okay, maybe, but that's probably not true. You know, just because there's three gifts doesn't mean there was just three wise men. These were probably large caravans of people. What's more important is to look at why did Matthew put this in there? What is the teaching that he's trying to put forth? And so from the scriptures, we learn certainly of the great privileges afforded to the Jewish people by God. And perhaps even most importantly, how God revealed himself in a very unique way through the Torah, through the Old Testament scriptures. And we as Christians, we, uh, the New Testament is extremely important to us, but we always look. And I'll remind everyone that when Jesus was on the road to Damascus, he told those two disciples, we're told, he started from the beginning and pointed out how the Old Testament, as we understand it, or the Torah, as they would understand it, all referred to him and how it was about God's story, about the coming of his son, ultimately. So we don't discard the Old Testament and say it doesn't matter. It does matter. But it's not a history book. It's a story of relationship. And my friends, the Jewish people had this. The Gentiles or the pagans, which are represented by the Magi or the wise men or the kings, didn't have this. It was through nature that God revealed himself to them. They looked up into the sky the same way everyone else did that night. Everyone else seemed to have seen stars and just that, but these wise men saw something different. Isn't it amazing how we can all look up and we all see something different? On that night, these wise men saw something different. So Matthew shows that the Magi, the pagans, or the Gentiles, receiving a revelation through astronomy, I want to make this point clear, not astrology, that is something weird and different, <laughs> astronomy. And this was an imperfect revelation to them, but nonetheless a revelation. And God has different ways. He sent an angel to Mary. He sent a dream to Joseph. You see, he talks to us in different ways, in the ways that we will best understand. To these wise men, he revealed it in nature. They spotted the star and knew something was up. And while it was an imperfect revelation, they knew where to go. They had heard stories about the Jewish scriptures, about a special birth, the birth of some type of king. But it did not tell them where to find the king. They needed the road map. And the ultimate secret of his whereabouts, not even secrets, that's a bad word, the ultimate mystery 
of his whereabouts, meaning this birth, this baby, was locked in a special revelation of God to Israel, namely the sacred scriptures that they had. Matthew contrasts the faith of these pagan visitors with the unbelief of the Jewish leaders, both civil and religious. The pagans have answered the call to faith in God, whereas the chosen people who hold the special revelation, for the most part, rejected it. So Matthew highlights this paradox that those who have the scriptures about this king reject Jesus, while the Gentiles, the pagans, come with the help of those very same scriptures. They come to adore him, to pay homage to him, to learn about him. In this story, then, we see the two main responses that will be for Jesus. People will believe or they will not believe. Here we have the essential gospel story in short. The story of the Magi and the star becomes for St. Matthew the anticipation of the fate of the good news that Jesus Christ brings of salvation. And St. Matthew knew this in the aftermath of the resurrection. He's writing after. The essence of the good news is this. God made himself present to us in this life, in the one who walked on this earth, the incarnation of God, his son, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, Christ meaning the anointed one. Indeed, so much so was God present then in flesh to us that it was his son. This revelation was an offense and a contradiction to many in Jesus' time, and it remains so today. Many people are offended by this. Not me. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. So to those who would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, as Jesus said, and the heart that would just be open, just be open to the possibility. This is a story of salvation, of love. The Magi's are the forerunners of those who would come to worship the risen Jesus Christ, proclaimed by the apostles. The story shows the great benefits of faith, the great privileges that come with this, and the great responsibility. The responsibility, they talk about light. You who are baptized at your baptism, I'm going to remind you, a candle is lit and a light, the light of Jesus Christ is poured into you. So now you are that light, that very light that the Magi saw in the sky, the very light that is spoken about in John's Gospel. Now you are that. And people are supposed to be drawn to you. But if you are not living as disciples, they are going to run from you. They are going to be frightened. But if you are walking in the light and living in the light, understanding that you reflect that light, that light of Christ burns within you, it should draw those who are looking and searching to you. And then now you become that symbol. Now Christ talks through you the way that the Father talked to those wise men through the sky and how he talked to them different. I mean, he talked to a bush. I mean, he was a bush to Moses, a burning bush, right? So as crazy as that sounds, if I, you think, Father, Father Mark, now you're talking crazy that I'm the No, you are the light. Go and read the baptism right. You were a baby likely when you got baptized. Mm, where... Where did she go? 
there you are, my dear. You're, you're on the path. You're on the bath. You're going to get baptized soon. She is going to be the light when you're baptized. And people will be drawn to you. So we want you to know that so you can talk about Jesus Christ. And we do that by experience, not just by the book, by experience. Herod, who? Crazy Herod. He had a lot of psychological problems. That you can find in the history books for their country. <laughs> but Herod and many in Jerusalem were troubled. They were troubled because they had it, they knew it, and they didn't believe. Herod was worried that this king was going to overthrow him. So we are ready. Well, there'll be another time when I talk about what he did. Their fear contrasts the joy of the magis or the kings. Are, and believe me, were they joyful every day? They did not just take a weekend to find Jesus. It took a little while. And they had some bad days. And they took great risks. And it cost things. So there were sacrifices. So part of the meaning of this Magi story is that faith is going to cost you. There is going to be risk. Now, there are people who live in other parts of this world today. They even bring up Jesus' name. Their head will be cut off. Their arms will be cut off. That is the risk. But Matthew is talking, there is going to be risk. You're going to have to have faith in God and trust him. And there will be sacrifice. Not just the gold and myrrh and frankincense. The sacrifice in your life. And that sometimes that comes because your other family members do not believe in Jesus Christ or they do not like you as a Roman Catholic. There is your sacrifice, the pain and suffering. So this story was not just something that happened centuries ago, but Matthew already knew. And this is the importance of this story. And my friends, last Mass, I, I, I thought, they had the scriptures. King Herod had it and his religious people had it. And when these wise men came and said, you, you guys have the scriptures. Can you tell us where to find him? They didn't even bother to go. You go, and if you find him, let me know. How arrogant. How arrogant. Such unbelief. If Father Mark was alive during that time, I'd be like, well, let me get on that camel. <laughs> let me get on that donkey. <laughs> I need to go and I need to see. The fear of the people of Jesus' time when he was born contrasted by the joy, the absolute joy and curiosity of the wise men as they followed their path to Bethlehem. And it started for them because they saw something odd in the sky. Their joy is the fruit of their adventure, and it is an adventure, and ultimately finding him, they are filled with joy. The theme of happiness and blessedness of those who believe runs throughout all of our Gospels. Wonderful things happen to those who believe. That does not mean that you won't have bad days. You will. But there is a blessedness in believing in Jesus Christ, and that is eternal life. One of the themes of the gospel is the blessedness of those who believe. All of Jesus' preaching, everything he said, everything he did was to the glory of his Father, but he did it to elicit 
faith in our hearts so that we would come to believe in the one who sent him. And my friends, it is not just simply a matter of believing, but believing and acting on that belief, living your life accordingly in holiness and walking in his ways, in his life, in his truth, not just on Sunday at 11 o'clock, but every day, every day. It was a question of hearing the word and doing it and taking the risk and making the sacrifices. We, too, are blessed when we hear the word of God and believe it and trust it and act on it and let it permeate our very beings. Let it guide us. It's not a star that guides us anymore. It's the light of faith, Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who guides us. He is the one that teaches we just simply have to follow. We just have to open your heart and have a heart of curiosity and wonderment because God does lots of wonderful things when you open your eyes and see and look. Wonderful things. Amen?